Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Tuesday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I am joined as always by producers G. Hey Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Tuesday? As Kathy Hilton would say, Arash, everything is hunky-dory here on the West Coast. I can't imagine how it is on the East Coast, but everything's hunky-dory. East Coast, I don't know if they're doing too well this morning if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, because it sounds like James Harden might have one foot out of the door. So, um, <laughs> But West Coast, we're doing great, so yes. No, we are not only doing great, this is a glorious day, and we'll see. Again, to your point, GA, I am in New York. I am heading to the game tonight. Brooklyn Nets, Los Angeles Lakers. This was you know, supposed to be LeBron James, KD, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie. But listen, no Kyrie. I mean, sorry, yes, no Kyrie, not because he's hurt, because he refuses to uh, get the COVID-19 vaccine. No KD, because he's out for at least another month or so. But AD's on the way. AD's (laughs) on the way. That is right. Anthony Davis will make his return tonight. And if there is a turnaround for the Lakers, if there is some kind of moment in time where they can turn around the fortunes of their season and finally make that turn that we've been talking about for a while now, it begins tonight in Brooklyn with Anthony Davis returning, going up against a Brooklyn Nets squad again, playing without KD, playing without Kyrie. James Harden is playing, but to your point, Armani Buckets, and we'll talk about that later. We do have to focus on AD now. James Harden, according to reports, not thrilled to be in Brooklyn. Doesn't like living there, doesn't like playing there, is not thrilled. And by the way, no shock here. Doesn't like the fact that Kyrie is only available for some road games. Again, not uh, at home practices because of the COVID-19 vaccine not at home games because of COVID-19 vaccine. I mean, it, I mean, the fact that they thought this was g- g- going to work out is, is crazy. Again, this, they, you know, relented because they needed some players during that time where health and safety protocols was going crazy. Guys were getting signed to 10 day contracts. And it's like, listen, let's just bring Kyrie back. And they did. And, of course, guys are going to be upset. Like, this guy is going to roll into the locker room in Cleveland not be back with us practicing at home, not be back with us playing at home. Like, we need this guy right now. Okay, but let's first focus on Anthony Davis, Armani Buckets. I'm going to start with you again. If there is a turnaround this season, and I don't think there's a trade out there. I mean, the the, the one, you know, hope that the Lakers have is that Houston might 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 help them out with some kind of a package for John Wall. But this is the moment. If there is a turnaround this season, Buckets, it is that Anthony Davis is coming back. And the question is, and we won't get that, we, we won't know for sure tonight, because again, this is his first game back. But if we get Bubble Davis, if we get Anthony Davis, the way that he was playing in the bubble in Orlando when they won the championship, and he could have very uh, measly been the most valuable player of those finals, this is the moment that the Lakers can turn around the fortunes of their season. And when I say that, be a playoff team, and who knows what they can do at that point. Yeah, I think that that is the biggest X factor in the NBA right now, is 
what version of Anthony Davis will show up for the rest of the season. If, you know, if, if I was Anthony Davis, which obviously I'm not, I would be very motivated by all the skeptics and the critics that I've heard all season long. Now, I don't know what goes on in Anthony Davis's head. I don't know if that motivates him at all. But, you know, this guy has shown us before that him and LeBron, they can do it by themselves. They just need a supporting cast that knows their roles. And the thing is, they still have 40 or so games to figure out the rest of the roles. Now with Anthony Davis back, the biggest thing that Frank Vogel needs to do is he needs to figure out which guy can play in which role. Because it's obvious that certain guys should not be playing many minutes. Certain guys should play more minutes, probably a.k.a. Stanley Johnson. But this Laker team, you look around the Western Conference and every team is dealing with issues besides the Phoenix Suns right now. I mean, maybe you could say Memphis as well, but this Laker team, the door is getting more and more open. You look at Golden State and they have been really, really struggling lately. So this is an opportunity now to put your foot on the gas. And yes, AD probably will be very rusty tonight, but still a Brooklyn Nets team that not only is minus two of their three stars, the third star that is playing is dealing with all this controversy tonight. This is a very winnable game and a game. I don't know what the line is in Vegas, but I think the Lakers should win this game. We're going to look up that line momentarily, but here's where we're at. And we've talked talked about this throughout the season when people are saying how bad the Lakers are, how they don't have a chance, and we get that. The West is really not a good conference this year. In years gone by, they've they've been really good. Like if you want to be in the playoffs, you 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 have to be, you know, a few games above 500. Where the Lakers stand right now, yes, they are 23 and 24. They are one game below 500. They are, however, a half game behind Minnesota for the number seven seed. They are two games behind the Nuggets for the sixth seed and only four games back of the Dallas Mavericks for the number five seed. The significance there is the four five matchup, are, are, you know, that, that's a very tightly knit, like, you know, a. a, a you're not going up against a team that's going to be heavily favored to that point today. If the season were to close today and the Lakers were to, for example, be the five seed, they'd be going up against the Utah Jazz, who they just beat. So here's why this could be the turnaround the Lakers need. Time is running out, though. They got to do it right now. And, Jihei, this is the moment that if the Lakers are going to turn around their season, it begins tonight, it begins on the road trip, and if Anthony Davis can once again be one of the top five players in the league, and that's, I don't know if you want to think that's a big if or not, forget about a trade. That's the, that's the player that they need right now. A hundred percent. They need a D right now. My only issue is how long is, how many minutes is he going to be able to have in this debut, right? Yeah. You're going to play him. That's not the issue. Um, it's just how, how long is he going to be on that floor for, you know? And my mom always had the best, one of the best sayings. She's like, even if you have only 30 seconds or one minute on the, on the court, make those the best 30 seconds and the best one minute on the court that you possibly can. And I think that Anthony Davis is going to do that for the Lakers because I'm sure he's itching to get back on that court. Right. So I think that again, this is going to be an issue, not only of rotation and, and, um, a, a supporting cast to help out LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but it's also going to be how many minutes is AD going to have um, and how big of an impact will he be able to have due to the minutes that he's probably going to get? Are they going to play in the whole entire game? Obviously not. 
right? Yeah. So, you know, how, how much of an impact is he going to have just this particular game? I know that he'll have an impact the rest of the season, but you got to kind of wean him on in, right? Um, and by the way, Shocker, how long I can't believe it took this long for James Harden to start complaining <laughs> and wanting out of of Brooklyn. Um, what took you so long, man? And also the line just found out the line. The Lakers are favored, but yeah. the line dropped. Yeah. So the Lakers are favored. They were initially favored at three and a half. They are currently favored at two and a half. Oh, that is interesting. Line went down some, but you know what? I mean, yeah, okay, like let's let's transition into James Harden where, where this can help the Lakers out because the timing of this broke. I mean, obviously when the Lakers play the Nets, that's a significant game on the calendar. That was the Christmas day matchup before the season. This was thought to be according to Vegas, according to GMs, by the way, around the league, it wasn't just the odds makers in Vegas. This was projected to be a preview of the NBA finals. And now you're looking at the Nets, you know, still perhaps, uh, you know, can do that. They get, they get KD back of one of these days, Kyrie, um, wants to get the, the uh, shot and get vaccinated and actually play in all, all the games. I think the Nets can still get there. The Lakers, on the other hand, um, you know, uh, again, they, they are they are below 500. We'll, we'll see if they can kind of turn it around here. But Harden, this is sort of like, I mean, he, he has what he's wanted. I mean, he's in New York. He's in Brooklyn. He's playing on a championship contending team. He's got the spotlight for the foreseeable future. Again, KD's out for at least a month or more. Kyrie's like hit or miss. He's there. He's not. He's still the superstar. I mean, where is James Harden going to go? And I don't want to knock him, but it does seem like outside of KD. And so KD went to the Warriors and won a title because he was on the the same team as, again, he joined a 72-win team. So KD joined one of the best teams in league history. That had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and he won a couple of championships. But when you look at that Oklahoma City team, and I still think that they could have won a couple of rings together, you look at Russell Westbrook and you look at James Harden, and it's like they are fantastic regular season players. When it gets to the postseason, they're they they're not quite the the same. Like, is there something there with these guys? I mean, because I mean. The Lakers literally cannot get rid of Russell Westbrook. They would love to part ways with him. I mean, they are willing to trade him if they could. They are hoping to God they can trade him for John Wall. John Wall, According to Mark Stein, that is the only trade available. You're talking about Wall, a player who has not played all year. I mean, so, I mean, they just want to get out from under that contract. Is there something with those Oklahoma City Thunder players? Again, we know about KD. No knock on him. Still one of the top two, three players in the world. But, you know, could he win as the centerpiece of a team? Could Russell Westbrook win as the centerpiece of a team? Could Russell Westbrook, what, like, what would have happened if those guys were all together? Um, but now, you know, with, with, with James Harden, once again, becoming a distraction in a situation where there's no need to be a distraction. I think it's, it's telling because every time that, and I don't know if this is the reason why he's upset now, but every time that Durant or Kyrie sits, or both, you see Harden gets more comfortable in his role, and he gets to handle the ball basically the entire game. And I think that every time he he experiences that side of the game, he goes, well, well I missed this, and I, I kind of want to have this feeling back. So 
the ideal situation for Harden, it seems like, is a team where he can just handle the ball basically 80-85%, kind of like Luka does for the Mavericks. Now, that was not going to happen in Brooklyn, and he knew that. So I don't know if that's, you know, they said that he's unhappy with the city and all that stuff, but it just seems like he can't figure out how to play with other star players because his role is going to be a lot different. And with that being said, it just goes back to his playoff struggles. This is the reason for it all is because he can't adjust to playing with anybody else when he's off the ball, when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, his game suffers a lot. And this is the same issue with Russell Westbrook. He can't play off the ball. And the problem with in the NBA is that in the playoffs, Kobe said this about James Harden, that teams are going to basically put all their focus and attention on him in a playoff series and he's going to disappear. And so far in his career, that has been the theme. Now, apparently the Sixers are interested in him, so we'll see how that goes. But until Harden adjusts his style of play, which I don't think will ever happen, I think this is going to be a recurring theme. Gia, you you called this again. You called the whole situation with Russell Westbrook. You said that's not going to work out with James Harden when he went to Brooklyn. You said at some point he's going to be – and the only reason that I'm drawing a, a comparison here – is that, you know, that was sort of the core of one of the great teams of all time that did not win a championship. That, that, that you know, when I look back, I mean, that team should have had a few runs in them. Uh, tell me what it is about these guys. I mean, and, and, and again, you call both of them. You said this is not going to work out for Westbrook in Los Angeles. It's not going to work out for Harden in Brooklyn, and we'll see how that plays out. And also when they were together in Houston, that's not going to work out. So I, first and foremost, obviously I knew that this wasn't going to work out. I said that this will work if he takes on the, if Westbrook in particularly takes on the role of, I can take a step back. I can be a team player, kind of like Carmelo, right? Where he's like, I don't need all the touches anymore. I'm good. I just want to play. And I just want to be on a championship, viable championship winning team. That's not the case for Russell. And I don't think it's ever going to be the case for Russell Westbrook. Now, James Harden, on the other hand, I'm just playing devil's advocate because Armand, I totally agree with you. I think that he is like, you know what? I need those touches. I need to be, I need to be, as my mom would say, the star. And I I need to be the man. I need to be this person. And he's not that on this team, obviously, because, you know, you have to have those other two players uh, there to help you out. But playing devil's advocate, I don't think this is what he signed up for, right? I think he initially came to Brooklyn to win a ring. That I think that's the end-all, be-all goal for at least some of these star players out here, right? They want to win an NBA title. And I think maybe he's just fed up and he's just like, you guys promised me a ring. You promised me to, the ability to play with these two guys. Now... You know, uh, K- KD is is out on injury, so there's nothing yeah. he can do about that. But this whole let's put you know Kyrie back in, and now he can't play because of the because of COVID protocol or because of you know health and safety protocol. You know, it's probably really frustrating for him, and he's like saying bleep it. You know, I. I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe he doesn't like the city either. You know, I don't know why you wouldn't love Brooklyn. Best cheesecake I've ever had. But um, juniors, what's up? Ju- juniors cheesecake, <laughs> man. Best cheesecake I've ever had. Um, and but so I don't know what his beef is with just the city of New York in general. But I I get the playing aspect of it. You know, he thought he was going to play with these two two stars, these two guys, and one being his old teammate. And he's not playing. And that's not the case. Now, going again, going back to Russell. 
eh, I told you so. Yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah. you, I, I don't think, like, even if you thought it wasn't going to work out, I'd be curious who thought it was going to flame out this poorly, like, like below 500, like over uh, 50 games or so um, into the season. Again, people maybe thought it wasn't going to work out. People maybe thought that the pieces might not fit. But again, 23 and 24, we're effectively almost 50 games into the season. And they're they're they're, they're going to be twenty five and twenty five after fifty games. So it's I mean there's not that many games left to turn around their season and go. You know we're we're that's the game that I'm looking forward to uh, tonight. Obviously the Clippers are playing Washington. They're both on their uh, Grammy trip. The Kings played the New York Rangers yet last night at the Garden. They lost uh, in OT, but. The other big game in Los Angeles, everyone's focusing on this one. The NFC Championship game at SoFi Stadium, Sunday, 3.30 p.m. kickoff. Um, We do have to talk about, I mean, you know, the story within the game is that the Rams are doing everything in their power to keep tickets away from San Francisco 49ers fans, which is almost impossible to do in 2022. Like, there's, there's ways you can change your zip code. There's ways you can change your phone number. Like, Again, if 49er fans are willing to pay $800, $700, almost $1,000 to go to this game, it's going to happen. It's going to be a ton of 49er fans. And what I keep telling people is, like, it's going to take time. It's going to take time to develop that hardcore fan base that is willing to pay top dollar for parking, that's willing to pay top dollar for tickets. It doesn't not make you a fan, right? Like, like, like if you want to – like, there is not – like less than like 70,000 Rams fans who want to go to the NFC championship game on Sunday at SoFi. They would love to. There's so many of my friends and family that would love to go to that game. They don't want to either don't want to, or don't have that kind of money to spend on a ticket thoughts guys. I mean, the Rams are really doing everything that they can to keep these tickets out of the hands of San Francisco fans, effectively saying that if you are not a resident of Los Angeles County, we will cancel your ticket order, which I mean, I really think it's a bad look because it doesn't matter. People will exchange their tickets. Those tickets will get in the hands of the fans who want those, those tickets. So is this a bad look for the 49ers to do this? I mean, sorry, for the Rams. Is this a bad look for the Rams to do this? You know what? No, because you want your fans there. Um, The only problem with this is the accessibility, right? There's going to be fans that are like, I want to see my team. So they're going to pay the 800 to a grand to see their team. And unfortunately, Rams, you haven't been here that long. You just haven't. Like you said, it's going to take time. Um, When you leave, you know, your fans are going to leave you. I, yeah. That's just a fact. Um, you know, those that stayed loyal, God bless you. Because yeah. I, I used to be a Raiders fan and I they left and I said goodbye. You know, so, you know, if, it's it's a loyalty issue for some of these people. And they, they have already hitched their wagon and attached themselves to other teams. So, you know, it's going to take some time. So it's not going to be keep winning, though. It'll definitely help. Yeah, I mean, that's what I keep telling people out there. It, this is going to take time. They've done an amazing job in six years. And it is still amazing to me on social media where they're like, well, a Dodgers fan wouldn't sell their tickets to the Giants or a Lakers fan wouldn't. 
are we really comparing Lakers and Dodgers fans to Rams fans? The Lakers and Dodgers have been here for over 60 years consecutively. They didn't move to Anaheim. They didn't move to St. Louis. And by the way, yes, it does matter if you move to not Los Angeles. I'm not a Ducks fan. I'm not an Angels fan. Like, Anaheim is not Los Angeles. So when they left Los Angeles, that that they, they lost a Los Angeles fan base. And by the way, it, it's growing. And it's going to take time. And that's the important thing. But if you want to really, truly, honestly compare the Lakers fan base and the Dodgers fan base to the Rams, you're crazy. You're, you're, you're absolutely like, <laughs> that makes no sense to me. All right. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we are going to preview some more of the NFC Championship game. We are going to hear from Rams coach Sean McVay and Rams kicker Matt Gay, who kicked the game-winning field goal to lead the Rams to the championship game this Sunday at SoFi Stadium when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio and the Fan Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Again, big, big head FC championship game Sunday at SoFi Stadium. Uh, doesn't get much bigger than this. The Rams playing for a chance to not only go to the Super Bowl, but play in the Super Bowl in their home stadium of SoFi Stadium two weeks from the championship game. Wanted to preview that matchup by um, by having us listen to Rams coach Sean McVay meeting with the media yesterday and also Rams kicker Matt Gay. Hey, coach. Uh, hey, happy birthday, first and foremost. Oh, appreciate um, that. Thank you. And uh, wanted to ask you just about this 49er defense. They seem very physical and like to dictate the tempo as we witnessed against uh, in the Green Bay game um, and even throughout the season. They like to play collective style of defense. So what if there's anything new or different that you learned about this defense in order to be able to kind of contain them or prevent them from dictating the tempo against your, your quarterback in Matthew Stafford and the offense? Yeah, they, they do a great job. They have excellent personnel. They're they're really well coached. Um, you can see, and they can do an excellent job of applying pressure with a four-man rush. There's a real buy-in and a commitment to a philosophy, what they play with their the way that they play with their front four. I think uh Chris Kasarek does an outstanding job with those guys, and then they've got great personnel. They've got great speed on the second level. I think Warner's one of the best players in this, you know, in this league, especially at this at that position. And then they're excellent on the back end. They're really sound. They do a great job. All 11 tackle on this defense. I think Jimmy Ward's a phenomenal player. Obviously, Bosa and Armstead have been outstanding. I've been really impressed with what Samson's done. Jones on the interior. So they've got great players. They've got a great scheme. They're really sound. Um, and they play with a relentless, fanatical effort every single snap. And you can see there's a real commitment to a philosophy, and you earn every yard you get against them. And also, too, just speaking about your running game with with Sony Michelle and, and Cam Akers, and obviously the, the the two fumbles that Cam Akers did. Um, what what needs to be said as far as Cam Akers is concerned? Obviously, it's a very confident young man, a very uh, poised young man. But as far as those two fumbles that pretty much almost cost the game, um, is that something that you kind of specifically highlight and kind of talk talk about, or is just something you just say, okay, we'll deal with it, and then move on and, and try to deal with it? Um, preparing for San Francisco? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, the first thing is tremendous confidence in Cam Akers. Um, we always talk about with our team ball security and the important emphasis of that, just like for the defense, being able to attack, attack at the football, Nick. And so just being more cognizant of great ball security. I think, I think defense is in this league and the Bucs are, you know, one of the best, you know, do a great job attacking at it. And that's exactly what the 49ers are going to do this weekend. So we have to be cognizant of that in traffic. Both of those are where it's kind of a second effort run where he's breaking a first tackle. And those usually are the times where the ball can get a little bit away from your body when you're kind of straining a little bit more. And, you know, to their credit, whether it was Sue or, or Winfield, both those guys made great attempts, you know, to be able to strip at it and, and force it out yesterday. But Cam will learn from it. Like you said, my favorite, one of my favorite things about him, Nick, he's a supremely confident, secure individual. And I'm just fortunate. You know, I think we're all glad that we get an opportunity to be able to respond and uh, a lot of confidence in Cam's ability to be resilient and uh, looking forward to him responding the right way this week. Thank you, Coach. You're welcome, Nick. Hey, Sean, uh, can you just provide an injury update for the group, including uh, an update on uh, Andrew and Taylor? Yeah, so um, the only guy that, uh, you know, came out of the game a little bit, uh, you know, Joe Nopum got his, uh, strained his peck a little bit towards the end of the game um, in that kind of that two-minute sequence when we ended up going and kicking the field goal. Um, did a great job finishing out, so we'll, we'll kind of monitor his progress throughout the course of the week. Um, Andrew Whitworth, you know, had some uh, great treatment, really responded well to that. He's feeling good. I expect him to be able to, uh, you know, practice this week and see what that looks like. And then, you know, Taylor's really uh, making great progress, um, has ramped up some of the physical activity, and he's feeling good. So uh, both those guys look like they're on track, uh, you know, to be able to play on Sunday potentially. Thanks. And then Matthew last night uh, made a comment about how he likes to snatch people's souls sometimes. Um, it was I, just kind of funny considering how usually kind of calm and even when he said he was calm, but uh, can you kind of take us inside the competitor he is that we obviously don't get to see in, in those moments? Yeah, I think that, you know, I mean, that kind of epitomizes it, but just watch his body language, you know, how juiced he is after he spiked the ball, you know, I mean, it is kind of Kobe-esque where he's ripping across his chest and um, I mean, he's a great competitor, Lindsay. I mean, he's got a great balance. You know, I think the quarterback position in general, there's a, you got to be able to strike that balance of being even keeled, but having the appropriate, you know, authentic emotion when it's necessary. And he's got a great feel for, for that. And it's, it's always authentic, but no, you, you, you guys, he's, he's very poised in front of the media and he's poised during games, but he's got a lot of stuff to him that I think people wouldn't realize. And that's exactly what you want from your quarterback. I love that fire that he has. Thanks. You're welcome. Claudia. Hey, Sean. Happy birthday. Thank you. Fel Feliz cumpleaños in Spanish. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, talking about um, Joe Nobun did a good job stepping up for with war. How big was his impact on the game on Sunday? Yeah, I thought he was outstanding, Claudia. You know, and really that's what kind of Joe's done, whether it's having to play right tackle on Monday night football against the Cardinals a handful of weeks ago whether it's playing left tackle for the extended amount of time when Andrew missed, uh, you know, a good portion of the season last year, he's just come in. We feel like he's a starter. I thought he and Rob both did an outstanding job for the amount of times and some of the stress we put on them with the amount of dropbacks that we did have in that game. And um, to be able to hold up against that rush was, was instrumental in us being able to win. I was really pleased with Joe yesterday, Claudia. And as far as the game, uh, obviously you lost those fumbles, which helped Tampa Bay get back on the game. How much did that change your play calling if it did at all at all 
Yeah. You know, it's, um, you know, in a lot of instances when you're up 27 to three, uh, you know, kind of midway through the third, you're thinking, all right, let's, uh, you know, let's try to keep the clock moving. Let's really, you know, try to sustain some possession and a lot of instances, sometimes running it, but probably some stretches there where you get a little bit of, you know, conservative, but then you say, all right, well, when we do get the quick change, we had kind of a look that we wanted, we had an errant snap. So, um, you know, all of those have a little bit different narrative. You want to be able to close people out, but, uh, I love the way that our guys handled the ebbs and flows. And, and certainly, you know, I'm always going to look at myself with some of the decision-making and, and things that I can do better for our players within the framework of a game really in all phases, but, but, uh, you know, especially offensively yesterday. Thank you, Sean. You're welcome. Maria. Hey, Sean. Kind of going into the running back situation, all season we pretty much saw, you know, running back by committee first with Daryl and and then Sony and then Sony getting the lead and then Cam getting worked back in. Are we kind of back to the running back by committee? And what kind of determines who you want in there between Sony now or Cam? Yeah, I think there's a lot of confidence in both those players, Maria. Um, you know, Thomas has a great feel for those things. He and I are so much on the same page and, and, you know, a lot of it is based on the flow of the game, but I think we're at our best when you get both those guys involved, um, you know, to be able to do that, you want to be able to establish a rhythm and a little bit of flow offensively, get both of those guys involved. Um, you know, Cam ended up getting the, the bulk of the work yesterday, but I think for us to continue to go in the direction that we want and, and give ourselves a chance to win this game against a really tough opponent, um, both those guys are going to have to be contributors. And I think that's what you can expect to see. I was just going to ask you that because obviously the run game was so important the last time you played the 49ers. Yeah. You know, we, we had, we had some things that, you know, they did a great job of being able to slow us down. And so that's going to be a, a key factor, you know, as it is usually with every single game to, to be able to do that and, and be efficient when we do activate those runs. Have a nice glass of wine. Happy birthday. All right. Thanks, Maria. Jordan. Sean, I tried to get everyone to sing happy birthday before, but no, you know, nobody wanted, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> hey, just wanted to check on Ernest Jones, uh, Sebastian and, and Daryl Henderson and, and their status this week. Yeah. So um, Ernest is a guy that uh, of any of those three, that uh, if anyone was going to have a chance to play those other guys, you know, we just wanted to start their clock and, and kind of see if there was ever a chance, but, but with Ernest, um, you know, I think he's making good. Pro hey, Matt. Um, let me start by asking, you know, as that weekend was unfolding and you watched, I, I saw either watched or saw clips of the way that the Bengals won and the, and the 49ers won. Was there a part of you that was thinking, you know what, I'd, I'd like that kind of an opportunity? Definitely. I think we spoke earlier in the year about wanting those opportunities and uh, I've been talking about wanting one of those opportunities and getting it. And I mean, you see the first two games that both come down to field goals and in a way, you're thinking there's no way that another one happens, but you kind of want it to happen again. And then the game's unfolding the way it does and just try to stay ready. Just try to stay ready for that moment when it does come. After, you know, you kick a couple yesterday and then you miss one. What do you think, you know, what was your mindset after missing that one? And did you think or, you know, pray you were going to get a chance to get another, you know, another shot at one? Oh, yeah. I mean, the first. You like to make them all, um, but I mean, the first thought when, when you do miss one is you, you want to get back out there and get another opportunity to make it right. So just coming on the side of the field, especially uh, the way it happened, was just making sure that, you know, staying ready, lock in, you know, that you're going to get that opportunity to, to help your team get a win. And so, yeah, I just made sure that I was, you know, put that aside and get ready for the next one. 
Thanks very much. Hey, Gary. Kevin? Uh, hi, Matt. Um, can hey. you kind of take us through the final drive from your perspective from after the uh, after they scored to <laughs> your kicking the game winner? Yeah. Uh, you got a guy – we got guys on our team that can make plays. So, I mean, you know that you're confident in their ability to get you down there and just kind of walking down the sideline just – Hey, get me down there and, uh, I mean, take you through the drive. It wasn't much of it. It wasn't a long drive. There's two, I mean, staff to coop, staff to coop. And uh, they get us in position. Did a great job handling the, the clock and getting down there and clocking it. Um, unbelievable play by those those guys. I mean, they – you can't say enough about them and, and <laughs> it's just how good those guys are. And, uh, I mean, they did their thing and then, you know, was able to go down and – and help us get a win. And are you watching all of that from the sideline, or are you doing other things to get ready for what, what might be to come? Uh, I, I'm in the net. I'm in the net on the sideline. I'm hitting kicks into the net, uh, making sure I'm ready and warm, um, ready to go. But I'm always peeking at that uh, that video board, making sure I'm, I'm keyed into what the situation is. Uh, and obviously, we have no timeouts, so you got to be clued into being ready to go on. So. Uh, I was ready. I knew they were running out of clock it, and we were going to get an opportunity. So after I saw that, I started making my way onto the field. So what happens inside you when they hit the 44-yard the pass and you know it's going to happen? I thought Coop was going to score. I thought, I thought he was going to walk it off for a touchdown. So I was, I was a little hyped on it watching him uh, catch it. I thought he was going to run in. And then uh, obviously he gets tackled, and uh, you see him running to clock it, and it's just – time to handle business. And so you go through your process. It's just like any other kick. You know, you, you go through your routine that, that you have and walking onto the field, uh, a couple of guys gave me a little, little nod, a little, a little gesture, just like you got this and went out there and uh, was fortunate to make that. Artist, can I get one more? That was, that was question one. A. What do you, what do you do is running into the side for one-on-one after this? I mean, golly. Oh, we got some guys. Go ahead, man. <laughs> you, you said you keep warm. Yesterday was an uncharacteristically chilly, windy day, I think. Uh, yeah. Florida, right? What, what were the conditions like? And obviously you've kicked there before. Was yeah. it was it unusual for you? Uh, I mean, you can't get playing. You see some other games that are a little bit colder than the one we had. So uh, we were fortunate to have the game we had. But uh, just I think more unexpected than anything going down to Tampa, it's, it was just the unexpected. It was a little cold, breezy. and um, But it, it was totally fine. It was, it was nothing you couldn't handle, nothing you couldn't stay warm with, uh, moving around, things like that. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, wasn't it wasn't an issue. Thank you. Stu. That fourth quarter was, um, you know, pretty chaotic. How were you kind of processing that? You know, obviously when you weren't out there on the field and when you were, you know, on the sidelines watching. Yeah. Uh, crazy game. Uh, a lot happened. Uh, you just trying to stay keyed into what you're doing. You know, it, it, football is a team game and everyone's got their responsibilities and their jobs to do. And I trust those guys to do that, to do their jobs. And I hope that they trust me to do mine. So I just try to stay keyed into to my, my routine, um, the way I handle myself on the sideline and trust those guys to, to get it done. But, uh, just kind of sticking even with the, the ebbs and flows of the game. Uh, there was a lot of 
change possessions and stuff like that happen. And you're just trying to stare at it for your opportunity. And going back to what Gary had asked earlier, I mean, as you're kind of looking up periodically at the video board, aside from, you know, obviously when it got later in the game, later in the fourth quarter, at what point did you realize that, Hey, maybe this might come down to, you know, me needing to uh, make a kick here and uh, send us on and advance to the NFC championship. Yeah. Uh, obviously yeah, the, obviously missed one. Uh, <laughs> a little puzzled. Came off the sideline on that one. Uh, just kind of sit there for a second, and then had some teammates come up and said, "Hey, you know, we're gonna need, we're gonna need you." And uh, uh, snapper Orzek kind of came to me and said, "Hey, it's gonna it's gonna come down to you." And uh, you got a guy on the other side of the other side of the side sideline that can do some miraculous things, and obviously uh, made it a close game. But I mean, when the, my teammates kind of said, "Hey, we're gonna need you," we get it was kind of time to like let that one go and, and lock in uh, the opportunity that's going to come. So uh, that's what I did. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, Matt, uh, probably not a great segue, but uh, wanted to ask you about that miss. Uh, you said it was puzzling. Uh, Matthew Stafford indicated there was like, not necessarily the conditions were bad, but there was a crosswind happening down there. What, uh, what led to that and kind of made you sort of troubleshoot that in real time? Yeah, the wind uh, kind of felt like it was coming off the the open ends of the end zones, kind of coming down uh, from both directions. Uh, pre-game, the, the wind was kind of pushing the ball down. Um, it seemed like the more you got it up there, the more the kind of wind just kind of knocked the ball down. Um, didn't have any uh, problems with, with that distance in pre-game. Uh, but, I mean, things happen. Don't catch it purely clean and then you kind of feel like it's it's still good and then you just kind of watch it hit a little wall and uh yeah a little just a little puzzled uh on that one but uh it is what it is the game unfolded the way it did uh so there's a reason for everything is there something about i know there's been studies done on the sides of the each end zone there in that specific place yeah. um is is there something about kicking toward that ship too that uh, you know, the, the way, the way the wind happens to intersect coming through those sides and, and obviously through the ship is that you obviously were there for a while and, and know that very well. So is, is there something about that there? Uh, I mean, stats would say there, there is, um, statistics and stuff. I think actually the other end zone is the one that has whatever numbers to it, but, uh, no, I, I think that was just, uh, it's just like any other place. You just got to be able to play it and learn it. That was just unfortunate that, uh, you know, didn't get all that one. And then um, we asked you this uh, last time, last year, uh, similar similar game game ending situ- situation happens. Um, does this remain kind of personal for you to, to be able to do that, you know, on that field in that moment? And now obviously with the stakes higher than they've ever been. I don't want to say personal, but I mean, I mean, there's a chip on your shoulder. I mean, you feel like you were deservedly to, I don't know, not be let go from a team and felt like you were, you know, the person that you were. And when it comes down to it, I mean, it, it's, it's nice to get that moment and that opportunity. Um, I've had it twice now, but it's more, it's more about helping this team win than it is anything proven to 
them or anything like that. I'm, I'm way happier to help us win than I am focused on anything else on that, on that side of things. So I'm just happy that I could help us get to the NFC championship. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Jordan. We'll wrap up with you, Greg. Hey, Matt, did you tweak something pregame? Al Michaels seemed to think you had. Uh, no, just just warming up. Uh, takes you a little bit to get going. Uh, you're out there. You just hit the balls, working through, getting warm, and everything like that. So, uh, no issues there. I know that reports you are going around, but no issues there. Okay, and then from your perspective, as you get on that plane last night, the very festive plane, and, and start coming back and start putting your minds toward the 49ers, what do you sense is the attitude of this team going into a game against a team that's had your number for, you know, most of the time that all these guys on the – most of the guys on the roster have been here? What what kind of determination do you sense and feel? Uh, I just feel like we're locked into our game plan. We're locked into what we're doing right now. I feel like we're, we're rolling right now. The team's got a good vibe to it. Um, these leaders are stepping up, and it – it's it's a game that definitely you you want a little payback for. I think these guys have you know for some reason whatever it is um, they've been able to you know take care of business against us. Um, but it's it's one and done, and it's it's time to go. So I think the team is uh, team's ready to go. We're locked into what we're doing on our side of things, and uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good game on uh, Sunday. All right, that was Rams coach Sean McVay and Rams kicker Matt Gay, who kicked that uh, game-winning field goal to send the Rams on to the NFC Championship game. Big matchup. It doesn't get much bigger than this. The 49ers have won six straight times, but it all comes down to this one. The Rams really don't care about those past six times. The 49ers can have it. This is the one that they want. This is the one that's happening at SoFi Stadium with an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. When they put all their chips into the middle of the table, when they went all in, it was for this opportunity to not only go to the Super Bowl, but go to the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.